0: this is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports.
1: It is Friday and it's a terrific Friday because your Denver Nuggets are up 2-0 to zero in the Western Conference Finals. They have never been closer to the NBA Finals than they are now given the cushion that they now have built out. Joining us to talk about it from CBS News Colorado is our friend Romy Bean. You can follow her on Twitter, Romy underscore Bean and uh, if you are not, I don't know what you're doing because she has been uh, fire on social media Romy. Uh, I, I've noticed that this week kind of turning up the heat on some of the uh, some of the Lakers.
0: Hey, you know what we got to if the national narrative giving the Lakers all the love, we got to turn up the heat over here guys. I mean that's just the way it goes, right?
2: How old did LeBron James look to you last night in the fourth quarter?
0: You know what? He did. He looked like, for the first time, and we're not used to seeing this, but... He, he looked 38. Looked yeah. He looked 38. And this is interesting because before the first game, uh, the day before the first game at shoot-around, he was there with a shirt off. He almost got the sense he was like trying to make a statement. And, and the guy still is in just unbelievable physical condition. I, 38-year-olds don't look like that. And, and you know what? He looked great. He said the altitude... You know, affects you usually just for the first quarter of the first game, blah, 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 all this stuff. But last night, whether it be altitude, whether it be father time, which it really might be, guys, he looked out of gas. And that funny flub that we were kind of all giggling at, you know, that's just, was he just tired? You know, it's just he's not getting up as high. There's a couple of buckets that he would have made because normally he would have been, you know, towering over the guys, getting up over them. We're not seeing that. It looks like he's is running out of gas a little bit.
1: LeBron James in the fourth quarter for this playoffs not just the first two games in the playoffs as a whole 4.5 points per game 34.6 field goal shooting percentage mm. including 5% from 3 so that there is an argument because he's been better than that the first three quarters he's been there is an the argument that that you can run him uh, out of gas a little bit and, and I think for uh, the Nuggets you have you have seen that in this case this was a very different game, and I think uh, Sandy and I have talked about it. This was a better win than game one. Uh, game one that they kind of blitzed the Lakers and the, the Lakers didn't quite know what to do with it, and they had to fight, they play catch-up. But the Nuggets in this one, this would have been easy. After you won game one at home, you don't have to win uh, this game necessarily. It would be great, but they they fought and they clawed and they scratched and they managed to, to pull everything together and still win. Because to, to my mind, what they've now shown the Lakers and, quite frankly, the national uh, basketball audience is the fact that this team can win in multiple different ways and does win in multiple different ways. And, and it's not just the Lakers who can pull off the comeback.
0: And this is the second series in a row that they've shown that you look at the Sun series, that game one, game two, such different games, right? The first game was much like the Lakers game. They just ran them out of the gym. That Suns game two, what the score was 97, 87. It was a gritty defensive kind of a win it's interesting that it's it's pretty comparable actually when you kind of look at um, how it's happened again but both series are the perfect example of this Nuggets team has shown that they can find different ways to win that it's not always going to be just an offensive onslaught that they can be really gritty in defense that their clutch defense is sensational when they turn on late in games uh, especially in the fourth quarter and so it's one of those things where it's the Nuggets continue to show whatever you throw at us, we're going to figure out how to combat it and we can find different ways to win. And so that is just gives you so much promise for, for down the stretch. But I think the other big piece of it too, Sean, you talked about like, you know, you don't necessarily have to win game two. I think that this is a Nuggets team that they do look at it every, as every win as we have to get that one. This is a team that, obviously has never won a championship and I don't think they take any single game for granted. They're not looking their mindset. This is a look into their mindset. They're not willing to let up at any point, right? Because they have their eye on the, on the much bigger prize. And I think that is, there's so much professionalism. There's such a business like mentality in that sense and really impressive truly, actually from a group that has never won it to have that attitude to never let up. They just, their intensity has, has stays level and they've never kind of, sat back um, at all in the entire postseason. And again, that's just about, well, that's about leadership, right? About where they want to go and what they want to achieve. So I think there's two pieces to what we saw last night. That the play and the, the proof that they can win in any way that this defense is truly fantastic and in the mentality of where they want to go and how they're going about achieving it.
2: Would you believe it if I told you that Jamal Murray in these playoffs in most categories has better numbers than he did in the bubble in 2020. And uh, I wouldn't be asking you that if it wasn't true, but why do you think if anything, he's been better than he was in the
0: bubble? You know, it's funny, Sandy, because when you say that, if you just asked me flat out, would I believe it? I'd say no. Because when we just talk about like this, this mythical creature of, Jamal in the bubble playoffs right as this different guy but I think what it is when you look at it and obviously he had the injury that derailed him but nonetheless he's still older he's still more mature and he's just he's gotten better um you know at his game and we've all talked about how he is certainly back to his old self so really this is the progression of Jamal Murray and who knows where he would be without the injury right perhaps uh, but I think that it's actually not surprising because this entire team has has elevated their game. Michael Porter Jr., look at him from the bubble to now. All of these guys are they're older, they're more mature, their games are better, you know, everything. The basketball IQ is higher, all of those things. So for me, it's actually not a surprise when you think about the evolution of this team. And this is something that this team, this where they are now, is what they've been spending the last three years really working towards. So it's almost, you know, their character arcs, if you will. And so in many ways it's it's kind of not surprising because I think he's honed in, too, on, you know, the best parts of his game, his leadership, all of those things. And at the end of the day, like we always say, right, Jamal just lives for these moments. It's unbelievable. Regular season Jamal Murray in playoff, Jamal Murray, and to see him step up is not surprising. But it's also kind of just still bewildering at the same time to see this new level that he manages to take it to, especially in the fourth quarter, especially clutch he loves those moments he lives for those i think there's just you know he's got a different brain chemistry than the rest of us in the way that he can just turn it on and flourish
1: and he does feed off the crowd and i'm glad you brought up uh, character arcs because this is something that i've been i've tried to explain my whole career to folks who follow the nba The personalities of their players, because of the nature of basketball itself, because, you know, the the limited rosters, how impactful one player can be on a game, and, and the fact that it's not like baseball where you're only getting a couple cracks at it, you're on the floor. The personalities of the players on the floor matter in basketball in a way that they don't matter in other sports, in team sports, to be sure. And watching the Nuggets continue to play the way they have, I think back to Kevin Durant's sort of exit interview with the Suns, and he talked about, how the core of the Nuggets has been together for a while, including Michael Malone and including their stars. I think there is something to that in this case because these guys now know each other. They trust each other. They know what to expect. They know what buttons to push, what buttons not to push, how to better support each other. And I think over the course of this playoffs and certainly over the last two games, I think we've seen that in action. It, it is not just ability. It is the fact that you, you, know, you know thyself, for lack of a better word.
0: Absolutely. I mean, the one thing when you look at the Nuggets there's an incredible amount of continuity with the players, with the coaches. I mean, Michael Malone is the third longest tenured uh, head coach right now. So there's so much continuity that's kind of a rarity. You look around the league, the Suns are the perfect example. They tried to take the ultimate shortcut. It didn't work out. The Lakers in a sense kind of took a shortcut if you will this year in the sense that in the sense that it's, um, you know, they did I mean, they did amazing work at the trade deadline, right? So this team, a shortcut in its own sense, Draymond Green, really interesting. He was uh, kind of on that alternate game cast or whatever it was um, during one of the, the Nuggets Lakers games. And he was saying that the whole issue with Jordan Poole, right, at the beginning of the year, that fractured this team. And yeah. then when they started yeah, to come together – in February and fix things, it was too late. So when you look at all those examples, the Nuggets have been building this, like we said, for years. They have been getting to know each other. They have been understanding. We've seen the bumps and bruises, guys, with Michael Malone when we felt like he kept ragging on his team and it wasn't working, right? And he has figured out, I think, to push the right buttons, um, everything, with it. And I think there's one other, of course, big piece to this, perhaps the biggest piece, and that's Nikola Jokic. Because... I don't think we will ever see in our lifetimes a less selfish superstar than we are seeing right now. And because of him, this team is just playing incredible, selfless team basketball. You're having these discussions where, you know, Michael Porter Jr. though he said the discussion was a little different than Michael Malone projected it, but basically said, "Yeah, if you need to go with Bruce Brown to close out games, it's okay, right?" These these superstars, these yeah, guys yeah. on the. I, nice I, I thought
2: maybe maybe it didn't quite come off the way that. Uh...
0: Uh, he did, but nonetheless, they're Malone all willing it, to, yeah. you know, buy into their roles, and, and that starts with Jokic, right? Because he's he would rather pass than shoot, and you don't see a superstar like that, and it's rubbed off on the rest of the team. Uh, well,
2: we talked earlier with uh, your colleague Justin Adams about what apparently Malone did actually say uh, without uh, embellishment, exaggeration, to Jamal Murray during the course of the game. I want to ask you about, just the psychological effects of the the moves he made, because at the start of the fourth quarter, uh, remember there was that delay at the end of the third quarter where they tried to figure out whether the third quarter was over. There was still half a second left. Uh, I guess they also looked at uh, uh, the goaltending call, which seemed pretty obvious to me that it was goaltending, but they they reviewed that too, apparently, because they announced that, of course, it was goaltending upon further review. But among other things, they put, 0.5 seconds back on the clock and there had already been a fair amount of delay at that point so they go back out they play the final half second of the third quarter and then there's the usual break a longer one between the end of the third and the start of the fourth and I want to ask you not only about the effect that may have had on Murray when Murray stayed in the game but what it made the Lakers do when he also elected against his usual pattern to leave Jokic with that extra rest in the game at the start of the fourth quarter. And the Lakers then proceeded as they probably should have to concentrate on Jokic who would hurt them a lot more than Murray had during the first three quarters. And in Sitting the two guys who have been playing defense against Murray, Schroeder and Vanderbilt, both on the bench at the start of the fourth quarter, well, having Jokic in the game made the Lakers force their defensive resources onto holding Jokic in check, and it kind of unleashed Murray. And I thought the move, which was a different move from Malone to leave Jokic in the game was as good a calculated move as he's made in the playoffs?
0: Uh, I think, you know, absolutely. I think when you look at, honestly, this whole game, that uh, is almost a microcosm of this whole game. the guy's getting into foul trouble early. KCP paying a minute and a half in the first quarter. And yep. all of a sudden, the lineups changed. Changed for nearly the rest of the game because of that. You look at the start of the second quarter when the yep. Lakers go on that 7 sure. nothing run yep. because Murray and Jokic are out. Cause they had to play the entire yep. first quarter. And, and and the nuggets looked as lifeless as we've seen them in that second quarter and even to start the third and I thought oh man you know what, what's going here and the way michael malone continued to tinker with the lineups was you got to give him he gets a lot of a lot of crap from a lot of people right from, uh, including for me uh,
2: for for being too rigid but he was not yeah, rigid man. last night and when he did sit jokic uh romy uh with the Nuggets actually trailing 82-81, the Nuggets went on a 6-1 to one run before Jokic came back. They were leading 87-83, and they scored right out of that timeout to make it 90-83 and then went on to lead 96-84. And although there were some anxious moments, they closed the game out from there. I, I thought, yes, he gave Jokic his usual rest in the fourth quarter. He just timed it differently. And the Nuggets were on a roll at that point, and even without Jokic on the floor, they took the lead.
0: Yeah, I mean, and it was it was so impressive, and the way he timed it out uh, was impressive. And, there, and there's another guy that you look at when all of this comes into play, and that's Bruce Brown. And Bruce Brown, good
2: is for you. The reason
0: yeah. why the why the Nuggets have dominated the non-Jokic minutes in the postseason and we really saw there again he really came alive in the fourth quarter struggled a little bit earlier I mean the whole team was a little bit a little bit off but this guy deserves so much credit I mean he is I know I'm kind of just took a left turn here but uh, got to give him a minute to give him his flowers he's like a sixth starter for this team he's played every perimeter position he can play was backup last night. point guard. played 37 minutes play. yeah. yeah he can play backup point guard allow Jamal Murray to play off the ball get get in his ISO game I mean Bruce Brown is such a key piece to this team in this run and Obviously, we're going to talk about Jokic and, and Murray, and, and look, the Nuggets are where they are because Jokic and Murray are in their prime, but the reason why they really have this championship ceiling is because of the depth, and that's mostly because of Bruce Brown. We've got to give this guy just so much credit. It's incredible, incredible what he's doing, and so I know I totally just took a left turn here, but I felt like I had to give a minute to to, to talk about Bruce Brown.
1: I, I'm all for it. I mean, I've, I've been a, one of Bruce Brown's biggest fans in this town, obviously, even before the Nuggets signed him. I was kind of thumping on the table to get the Nuggets to sign him. So he's been uh, tremendously valuable. For the Nuggets, uh, last one for, for, for us, Romy, the series now switches to L.A. Now, the, the Nuggets caught a bad whistle early. I will give Tony Brothers group credit, even though we can get into the last two minutes, uh, the report a little later. But they more or less swallowed their whistles at the end of the game and let the two teams play. The NBA has uh, a history of, mm, let's just say, encouraging a more competitive series through the usage in, of its referees. If that's ever going to happen, it's going to happen over the next two games. If you're the Nuggets, how do you fight your way through that? Oh,
0: my gosh, Sean, you know what's so Sorry, funny? Sorry, I said I if. I entirely they... meant when. I don't um... know why I haven't danced around <laughs> it.
1: When it happened.
0: You know what's so funny is so many people have been saying, oh, Nuggets in five, and I said there is no league that is better at extending series than the NBA. They're not letting the Western Conference Final end in five games. With the Lakers? Like, come on. No. no. With the Lakers? With the? Come on. So uh, I'm with you, and I think it, it is. It's going to be kind of the next, the next big test, right? This is the first team that really that they've played so far that is just can get an obscene amount of whistles. And you know, I never want to be one of those people that say the refs are skew in the game, but. The NBA has an uncanny way of making sure series go six or seven, so I think it's going to be you know how they handle the adversity. Um, I don't know. Does Michael Malone get a tech? I thought he was maybe going to get bounced out at the last game with the way the game started. I, you know honestly. what? I
2: I know he was getting on the refs some, but I I I think early in the game, I honestly thought it was an issue. I thought they were far too involved with the officiating and. I I think someone or maybe a few people recognized that, and got the Nuggets to be quiet, and might have also at the end of the game pointed the box score that uh, saw the Lakers draw more fouls than the Nuggets did. Yeah. So
0: yeah, I mean, I whatever. Think, <laughs> right, and I think they just have to—they have to, you know, what, they have to triumph over it. It's there's all sorts of different battles on your way to get where you want to go, and, and this is going to be a test for them. And you got to have to keep your cool, and some, you know, things might turn a funny way and i think what you got to do is you just got to play through it is that fair not necessarily but it is what it is right what are you going to do stomp your feet and and cry and whatever it's we're going to see how they prevail and i think at the end of the day even if with all that help i still think the nuggets are the more talented team and i think it comes to a point where even if somehow that whistle is able to extend the series I think the Nuggets are still confident and should be confident that they still are playing the better basketball, that at the end of the day, the game can't be skewed enough to affect the outcome of this series as a whole.
1: That is the voice of the 2022 Colorado Sportscaster of the Year over from CBS Colorado, Romy Bean. Follow her on Twitter, Romy underscore... Bean. Uh, always good to talk to you, Romy. Appreciate it. This will be an interesting weekend, obviously, for the uh, for the Denver Nuggets, and, and that game on Saturday looms very large. Thanks for breaking it all down with us.
0: Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. Have a good Friday.
2: All right, you too. Thanks. And I do want to make clear when I say uh, the Lakers actually got called for more fouls than the Nuggets did, 19-18. to 18. Uh, You have the two-minute report uh, at your fingertips here, and we can talk yeah. about that, but um, you know, whether they won by five points or ten points, hey, LeBron said it after game one, lose by one, lose by 20, and L's an L. Right, exactly. Uh, just just for the the outside
1: there, the, uh, the last two minutes report, which the NBA uh, releases, says the Nuggets should have had uh, a foul on Anthony, or pardon me, MPJ fouled Anthony Davis with a minute 38 that was missed. But the Lakers uh, missed a LeBron James travel at 25 seconds. Missed an mm-hmm. Anthony Davis three seconds at 50 seconds. Missed mm-hmm. an Anthony Davis three seconds at a minute 49. Yeah. That's because, in case you haven't watched basketball the last couple of years, um, do you remember, let, let me make this easy. for you. Remember three-second
2: calls when they used to be yeah. actually officiating? But like let it? me explain yeah. how this
1: one works real quick, and then, then we'll, we'll, we'll step away. But uh, if you go back to Super Bowl 48 and the Seattle Seahawks, Outstanding defense. Well, the Seahawks understood something very early on in the season, and that was that if they would clutch and grab on every single play, you would dare the referees to throw a flag on every single play, and the referees were not going to do that. Anthony Davis, for his career, Mm -hmm. sets up camp in the paint and dares the refs to call him for three seconds. That's what he's done. It's what he's always done. And you know what? Most of the time, he wins that bet. And uh, he's going to win that bet in game three and game four in LA. Be aware of that as well. They're not going to call him for it, but that's what he does. Uh, The nuggets know it and they will continue to work around it. But three missed calls on the Lakers in the last two minutes uh, compared to one on the nuggets. But in the end, I will say that for the most part, they swallowed the whistles, let the guys play in the fourth. Yeah. That's what I wanted
2: to see. And, uh, you know i did and you got a better result because I, of it i did think uh there was one call early in the game uh a flagrant foul call that they upheld uh which is absolutely ridiculous and it worked both ways both teams were flopping when yes they may have been fouled but flopping to try to get the officials to review it right and a sign of flagrant, which of course means two shots and the ball and the ball. A lot better than just a run of the mill garden variety Falcon.
1: The Nuggets, of course, stand in a pretty good position, but what does it mean when the series goes to LA? Well, things will change pretty dramatically. How will they? We'll explain next on my life sports.
0: Best
1: place to find the lovers of the bar is where i go Sandy and Tar, presented by Superbook Sports Download the Superbook app and start winning today at superbook.com Here's Sean and Sandy. The Never Nuggets have a 2-0 lead and it, it is an interesting situation obviously after the game Michael Malone was uh feeling himself a little bit okay that's just the reality of things but I think there was a genuine drive behind it. And we'll we'll hear a little bit of of, of what Coach Malone said. And then, I, Sandy, I'm curious about your opinion of it because I think there is a little bit of chest puffing, which is easier to do after you've won. But I think there is a method to this that I do gets too. understated as well. Here too. was Coach Michael Malone addressing the media last night.
3: I think a lot of our guys, to be honest, they may not admit this or not. You know, uh, you win game one of the playoffs and all everybody talked about was the Lakers. Let's be honest, that was a national narrative was, hey, the Lakers are fine. They're down 1-0, but they figured something out. No one talked about Nicola just had a historic performance. He's got 13 triple doubles now, third all time. What he's doing is just incredible, but the narrative wasn't about the Nuggets. The narrative wasn't about Nicola. Their narrative is about the Lakers and their adjustments. So you know, you put that in your pipe, you smoke it, and you come back. And you know what? We're going to go up 2-0. Do you think that narrative changes tonight? Well, I don't care if it does, you know what I mean? Because we know our narrative in that locker room. We know that we're not done. We haven't done anything yet, all right? you got to win a game on the other team's home court if you really want to do something in a series. And we know how great that team is, especially on their home court. So uh, we're not celebrating. You know, this is not cause for celebration. This is a cause to continue to dig deep and find ways to be better.
2: Now, let's remember, he's saying that before the game. Pardon me. Yes. And I this is before that. the game, not, mm-hmm. not after. Right. And so when he says we're going up 2-0, I mean, it isn't an ironclad guarantee, but it's the next closest thing. And that expression I liked. I'm not sure about the accuracy of everything he's saying there, but. I think that expression of confidence that we'll be up two zero, we'll back it up, and they did back it up, and no, he said we're going to be up two zero. He said that before the no, game. No, that was
1: that was a po- that was a post game uh, statement. There, yeah, he actually talked about it post uh, post game. He mentioned that was the, that was what he was thinking
2: before yeah. the game.
1: That's what he was before thinking the before the game. But he I, mentioned I, I it after. I thought yeah. I
2: read somewhere that he said something about going going up 2 0 before the game. Uh no, he talked about that after the
1: game. But that was that was their thoughts.
2: Yeah. All right. Well then a I'm little, not as impressed. Yeah. It's a, it's little, easy to say a little, little easier to say after I'm the not, game. A, it's but, easier to say after you have gone up 2 0. But I I I do think it's it's kind of a you know, I tire of the we ain't getting no respect angle at times. And I, I I do think he was right in saying that a lot of the post-game commentary centered on the Lakers. But to suggest that Nikola Jokic wasn't getting all the love that any player could ever get after game one on ESPN, and let's be honest, that's what he's talking about. Of course. He's talking about ESPN. Mm -hmm. Um, That that would be incorrect. But, again, I'm not sure it's – the worst ploy in the world to, to kind of put that out there because there's enough truth to it. Not that Jokic got shortchanged. I don't think there's any truth but to there, that. But there is but truth. that, that the it narrative was, yes, was about, about the, the Lakers, Lakers and, and what they did do and what they didn't do. How they and somehow didn't
1: lose as badly as it looked
2: like they were well, going to lose. yeah. Congrats. But, but they, you know, you looked at the numbers, and George Carl talked about this yesterday, you look at all the numbers after the game, you're thinking this is a 15-point game. So if the Lakers wanted to derive some level of encouragement from having been outplayed so badly in so many key areas and still had enough grit to come back, and maybe guile too, to come back in the fourth quarter the way they did I was much less impressed with their comeback last night for two reasons. One, it was the nugget mistakes that helped the Lakers. The Lakers didn't make Michael Porter step onto the court and stumble and get called for an inbounds violation. Michael Porter made that mistake. He wasn't forced into it by the Lakers. There was no Laker anywhere near him when he did that. It was just a, a mistake. And the other thing is, They were down 12 after being up 11. They were never up 11 in game one. So, yeah, they made the game closer at the end. They had a chance to tie the game on a LeBron three-pointer. I'm in the minority, apparently, because LeBron has been getting ripped on every show I've seen on a variety of networks and in print, including in the L.A. Times by a very good columnist, Bill Plaschke, for taking... A ridiculous three-point shot with 45 seconds to go in the game. And Are you kidding me? First of all, there was no one near him. Second of all, it went in and out. It wasn't a brick. However, last night, to take the threes, when he did, and he bricked all of them. None of them was even missed all close. Ten. All to ten going in the series in. But, but, but I, I understand that. But there are threes that you need to take occasionally and I respected his judgment with the game on the line to take a three that even someone shooting badly from three, uh, it's LeBron James. He can take that shot yeah, anytime really for me. Any issue I didn't think last night, though, that his shot selection, particularly with respect to threes in the fourth quarter, the game wasn't on the line, and it helped the Nuggets come from a third-quarter deficit, end of third-quarter deficit, to take the lead. I thought they were quick threes. The ball never moved. Uh, Some of that was a part of game one, too. But it was more of a shot taken in rhythm. And you could see with 45 seconds left why he'd want to take that kind of shot in order to tie the game. He was taking those shots when the Lakers were ahead or were very close. And it was one of the reasons the Nuggets went up 12. So I wasn't that impressed with the Lakers comeback last night and especially in the second game after you have already won the first who cares I mean I happen to have the final score 105 103 before the game and it was 108 103 but if it had been 105 103 do the Lakers say
1: well now now we know we can win game three I mean I would contend you can't even argue the Lakers made a comeback how do you make a comeback when you're the one that coughed up your lead
2: Right, I, I I agree. The, the now, Nuggets, yeah, the Nuggets completed
1: well, a comeback. But,
2: but then, but okay, but the Nuggets also screwed up on their own. They did. They, they, but unlike unlike Game One, when mm-hmm. the Lakers hit a bunch of threes, made some big shots, Reeves, uh, who was excellent last night again, Reeves has been the steadiest player in this series for the Lakers. Yep. And yep, I would argue that. You could argue now after two games it was not that Dave. Rob Palenka, change the team at the deadline. They're not here if he doesn't. The team is fine. LeBron and Anthony Davis, when you compare their 2020 playoff numbers in the bubble to 2023, it's almost exclusively in all categories, a come down from 2020 to 2023. And usually by a considerable margin in most statistical categories, the supporting cast is not letting down Davis and LeBron. Yeah, LeBron and Davis are letting down the supporting yes, cast. Yes, and,
1: and certainly, you know, I, th- I think LeBron was actually fine last night. He had some moments where he looked his age. He was fine. Uh, the but first
2: three quarters, especially on defense, Davis wasn't in the good. fourth quarter. Davis he wasn't was not. good. And
1: in the final four minutes, Davis uh, bricked two threes. Uh, don't ask me how many he's supposed to be shooting if LeBron's not. And had three turnovers. In the last four minutes,
2: Anthony Davis had three turnovers. I agree. Uh, they, I agree. they have
1: not been particularly good. And again, is the, the box score numbers
2: make it look as if, especially if he didn't watch the game, made it look as if he had a decent game. 18-14-4 with a steal, four blocks. And then there's the four turnovers and the minus 10. But 18 points, he shot four for 15. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the key stat. In the first game, he shot the lights out. He was 11 for 29 when Jokic was playing against him. Last night, he was 4 for 15 for the game. Quite an improved defensive performance by Jokic. But as Michael Wilbon of ESPN pointed out at the half, I don't know why everybody keeps talking about Anthony Davis being up and down. That's who he's...
1: Yeah.
2: If... He hasn't been that way throughout his career. But over the He's last couple of years. been that way certainly in the sure last two or three years.
1: Sure he has. And I think the part that that intrigues me is the idea here that I, I think, when you look at the way that both Davis and James have been playing, and they both had to have 40-plus minutes last night, Anthony Davis is quite a bit younger. I get it, but uh, he's thirty going on forty, given all the injuries. Wow! Well, and he's
2: he's thirty, and he should be playing better than he is. He, he
1: I be. I think that Denver is wearing these guys out. To me, at the oh, I, at the back end of I both agree. of these games, I agree. I agree. By the time they hit about thirty-five to thirty-six minutes, LeBron James and Anthony Davis started running out of gas. Yeah,
2: maybe, but that it the usually. Estimable Kenny Smith said one of the sillier things I've heard the other night on TNT when he suggested that Davis was in better shape than Jokic and Jokic was tired at the end of game one. Well, Jokic may or may not have been tired at the end of game one, but to suggest that Anthony Davis, who does not lead fast breaks, one, and two, at best, saunters up and down the court, never runs full speed, I'll bet if you went baseline to baseline during the course of a game, and timed him. Jokic is much faster than Anthony Davis, or like, yeah. much faster than Anthony series. Davis chooses to be. And I will, I will speak on behalf of LeBron in this respect. His foot injury, I think, was a lot more serious than the Lakers let on. And he rolled his ankle landing and on. He did roll his Davis. ankle last night. He landed on Davis's ankle. I will yeah, give him credit on this score, though. And not not for plain hurt, because guys do that in the playoffs. But for saying after the game when someone said, "Will this, or uh, did it affect you tonight?" the the ankle mm-hmm. twist. Will did this affect you tonight? Will it affect you in game three? And he said, "It's a little ankle injury. Doesn't make any difference."
1: Yeah, I mean, he, knows what, of year it it he knows what time so of year it he is. He knows what time he So he
2: wasn't. He's not gonna. He's on, not gonna give you excuses. That.
1: Uh, look, you you can say what you want. I know LeBron James has his distract, detractors, but he's he's not a guy that gives you those kind of excuses. He's going to play, and he's going to be effective. Uh, how effective? And he did we'll say, be? as
2: we mentioned earlier, after Game One, you lose, you lose, whether it's right. by one point or 100% twenty. He's one hundred percent right. And he was not part, by the way, of the narrative that Malone was talking about when all was hunky dory and Rosie in Lakerland after Game One. That's was his reaction. You lose, you lose. The Move by
1: Malone is interesting, and I think what he's trying to do, we talk about those personalities of the players. He's getting out of there. He's defending his guys, but what he's also doing is he's taking the heat off him. Nikola Jokic, after the game was asked at one point, is there anything, you know, as if he's new to the league, is there anything you want people to know about you? Was one of the questions he was asked. He gave a one-word answer. No. The, the Nuggets, the, the Nuggets are in the spot. I want them. Yeah, to yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Now you care. Now you care. Yeah, too late. Just do the do the talking on no, the it's, court.
2: It's ridiculous. We will
1: take a look at these next two games and and find out because you know obviously we have a chance on Monday to look at it, but I want to look at the two together, Sandy. But then focus on Game Three. It's easy for the Nuggets to kind of take it for granted, but maybe right now with they have the Lakers on the ropes, maybe you shouldn't. We'll talk about it next. Myle Sports.
2: Let's get down. Let's get down to business. Give you one more night, one more night to guide this. We've had a million, million nights just like this. So let's get done.
0: This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports.
1: It is a Friday and a very happy one for the Denver Nuggets who are up two to zero after launching a remarkable comeback behind Jamal Murray's shooting in the fourth quarter. The Nuggets uh, looked really, really good late. They had to kind of hang in uh, early, some bad foul calls, give Michael Malone some credit. You know, the idea of your rotation just got blown out of the water the first three minutes of the game and you kind of had to make do. Uh, They managed to hang in there. But
2: I think he would have done at the end of the third quarter, what he actually
1: did. Yes. Well, I think, anyway, by, I think regardless of the fouls. The game sort but of leveled right. out. You're
2: right. You lose two But it could have gotten out of hand the early. Five minutes, the, the fact fouls, that it was
1: 27 man. 27 after the first quarter, I thought was really commendable from Alone in the Nuggets. It was. Because it could have been very plus. easily been thrown all out of whack by that. Um, I don't think people understand necessarily how getting a starter in foul trouble that early and getting a couple, a couple of people in foul trouble that early actually disrupts everything you're trying to do. Here's Not the even. Thing. On the court, but off the court.
2: But not only did he take him out with two fouls in the first five minutes, and you can debate that, whether that's wise or not. But what you can't debate, because it was fact, both did play in the second quarter with two fouls, and they finished the half with two fouls. I thought the the management of the game was far better on the Denver bench than it was on the Laker bench. You explain to me how Hachimura only gets 30 minutes last night, scores 21 in the 30 minutes. He's clearly in good shape. He is capable of playing more than 30 minutes. And on top of that, Schroeder, who was doing, along with Vanderbilt, a pretty fair defensive job on Murray for three quarters, Schroeder and Vanderbilt on the bench at the start of the fourth quarter. Shooter in the game played only 30 minutes. He's plus five. Okay. One
1: of only two Russell, plus, uh, three plus players in total, by the
2: Russell way. Russell so plays 33 minutes and he's minus 16. And he was out there, obviously, at minus 16 over 33 minutes. When a lot of the bad stuff happened to they the Lakers have a in D'Angelo the Russell quarter, problem Sandy but they they may you can start him. I get that, but if his play doesn't warrant staying in the game mm-hmm. and playing more than thirty minutes, why are you also obliged not not only to start him, right. but you're also obliged to play him at least thirty three minutes? You're not. No, you're not. Unless and you he think he screwed. Up. Something and,
1: bad is gonna happen into your locker room.
2: Not that, minutes. He didn't play him the other night in the fourth quarter. As I recall, they thought they did okay in mm-hmm. the fourth quarter. Right. Did they think they did okay last night in the fourth quarter probably when not. he was out there? No. And
1: Jamal Murray was no. torching him? No, probably no. not. No.
2: No other Laker was anywhere near minus sixteen. Nowhere near it. This guy played almost as many minutes as Reeves did and Reeves was plus 13. The problem for
1: the Lakers, too, is that Vanderbilt and Schroeder together, despite what the, the good things that you mentioned, played for 47 minutes and scored eight points combined. And, and this is one of the challenges in today's NBA, especially given the way the teams are defending. If you can't score, it's hard to stay well, on the court. That's the simple reality. Teams will leave you alone. And, and let me give you an example. Uh, I, I, did, I don't think he was bad. I thought that, oddly, uh, Aaron Gordon was sort of tentative last yes. night in oh, a lot no of doubt. different ways. No, but, no. but let me let me give you a number here. And uh, this comes uh, from the folks over uh, at, at NBA Math, and they, they look at effective field goal percentage, right? Effective field goal percentage on unguarded catch-and-shoot efforts in the playoffs. The worst shooter in the playoffs is Aaron Gordon at 25%. The second worst shooter is Jeff Green at twenty eight point one percent, and both of these guys. Now the expectations are obviously much larger on Gordon, who's a starter. Than Gordon Green. plays
2: defense too.
1: Right, both Green of these doesn't. guys have to understand they will be left, and we saw it in this game. They will be left essentially alone to shoot. Yeah, just like the Nuggets will for Vanderbilt. And neither,
2: neither one of them, and both of them need to take You game. have to take advantage
1: of that space right. and take it to the rack. Aaron Gordon and Jeff Green have to be more aggressive. They have to go to the rack. Look, the one with all due respect to Jeff Green, who in this series is really very hard to play. uh, The one thing that everyone hangs his hat on is he dunks, right? (laughs) So take (laughs) or or he makes a three once in a blue moon. Well, stop taking the threes once in a blue moon and try to dunk. Aaron Gordon, try to dunk. Go up there at least get foul shots. Uh, In in, on the road, they're going to have to. Those two guys specifically are going to have to change their approaches. I get it. They're not good outside shooters. Okay. Aaron Gordon had a nice outside shooting game, and people thought that was the reality. That was a fluke. No, He's not no. that guy. No. They I, I, need to be more, more active and more aggressive right. when they get the ball, and they need to be doing more cuts, well, and more screens when that
2: happens. Uh, that happens when when they run. And I, I I thought the pace in the fourth quarter got a little better last night. That's why they scored more points in the fourth quarter than they did in any other quarter last night. But what was interesting to me is that. In Game 1, the Nuggets scored 60 points in the second half. In Game 2, the Nuggets scored 60 points in the second half. The big difference was, in Game 1, they gave up 72 points, I believe, in the second half. Last night, they gave up 50 points in the second half. Now, the the pace slowed, and the prevent offense almost beat them. I didn't think last night that was as much of the problem as... Murray shooting three for 15 and the aforementioned Gordon and Green giving you nothing. Uh, Porter until the fourth quarter hadn't done a lot. Um, KCP was in foul trouble and so was Porter and Mm -hmm. that was part of it. Their minutes got cut because they were in foul trouble early in the game and they came out after five minutes when they usually wouldn't come out after five minutes. They wouldn't come out that soon. I didn't think Christian Brown last night and it's it was not awful no but the 5 minutes he right. got was about the 5 minutes he deserved to get uh green got 15 minutes which is a little less than he usually mm-hmm. gets and yes. he i didn't think he deserved the 15 myself but bruce brown <laughs> playing uh some of the same positions that jeff green and christian brown play He's out there for 37 minutes, and he's plus 16.
1: Tops on the Nuggets by, <laughs> right, wide, by, actually, by a wide by, margin. Double. Double. Yes.
2: Jamal yes. Murray, who
1: was At the next eight. best player.
2: At plus, At eight. plus 8. Bruce Brown was plus 16. Jokic was plus 7. Gordon plus 4. Porter plus 1. Uh, although he's been better than that in the playoffs and in most games. Yes. And actually, KCP was a minus 9 in 26 minutes, and I said earlier, I didn't think it was one of his better games. I like his spirit on the bench. Yeah. Heck, I like Jeff Green's spirit on the bench, but that's where Jeff Green should be.
1: Let me give you a little number there about Michael Porter Jr., because I think that's pretty fascinating. When you, when you talk about Porter Jr. and you look at the way he has played, the raw plus-minus. Just added it up in the, in the postseason thus far. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. has played 426 minutes on the court. He leads the Nuggets with a plus 114. And I, th- I think some of this, obviously, is due to the scoring ability. And I'm not confusing him with a defensive player of the year. Don't get me wrong. But the Nuggets have challenges when it comes to length. Off the bench, you're, you're, you're shorthanded when it comes to, to Bruce Brown and Christian Brown if you guard larger guys.
2: Even Jeff Green. Jeff is Green
1: not, is not a not a big body and, a, and not a guy that can move very quickly. So Porter Jr. has actually been impactful on the defensive end just by the willingness to get that 6'10 frame in front of guys and use that link. It, it is sort of remarkable how – Little you have to necessarily do to impact the game if the effort is there. And for Porter Jr., give him credit. I think the effort has been there, and I think that's been something of a game changer. We'll see what happens this weekend.
2: But, again, to get back to giving Malone credit where it's deserved, I thought it was uh, an exceptionally well-managed game by Malone and a very poorly managed game by Darvin Ham, who maybe had too many tricks uh, up his well, sleeve. Well, as he said, he had all sorts of tricks. Uh, yeah, and and maybe he overthought things a little bit or – perhaps in some cases just didn't think uh, at all and again you're talking about a rookie coach and he sure seems to be doing a hell of a lot better in these playoffs than Joe missoula with a with a much better team in Boston but uh, it was not Darvin Ham's finest moment last night during the course of the game i thought it was very poorly managed and you know you, you end up getting scorched in the fourth quarter and that's when games, generally speaking, are won and lost in the playoffs. Yes, generally indeed, speaking.
1: Indeed, including the first two of this series. The series moves to LA starting tomorrow. The Nuggets have a chance. Were they to win it while the Lakers are wobbly? I'm not gonna call that shot, Sandy. I don't have the courage. But I wouldn't be surprised. I think the Lakers are teetering a little bit. I think there's a crisis of confidence, despite the I fact think, there's Hall of Famers on that I roster. I
2: think their game four chances, and we'll have a chance to talk about that in that, any yep, case, be win or Monday lose. Sure. Yep. That'll be definitely on Monday. Um, I think their chances in game four, the Nuggets now, are a little bit better than I ascribe their chance to. Because I think if if the Lakers lose game three, you know it'll be because they've kind of decided they can't win and it's not worth. Yeah,
1: I think Nuggets fans could live with that. It is Friday. Have a very happy one. Thanks so much to our friends at CBS News Colorado, Justin Adams and Romy Bean Both joined us. If you missed any part of it, you can always go to MileHighSports.com or just get the app. It's all on demand right there. That's also where you can listen with crystal clear sound anywhere you are and watch us as well on that free Myles sports app. Thanks to Danny Bailey in the booth for making it work. Andrew Dentmer making it work visually as well. We'll be back on Monday. Have a safe and fun weekend. For Sandy Clough, from am Sean Drotar. But keep it right here. Neil Apiro is next on Myles Sports.